Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck. Every week, along with my co-host, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, we bring you some of the great moments from Mother's answering phone calls over the years from her wonderful live shows. And uh, this week is no different. We've got some talks about doubt, nagging our Lord, Mother's response on patience that should be a good one and we've got praying for a miracle which she did quite well and you can attest mm-hmm. to that father and also rash judgment dealing with children so welcome father to the show this week well doug you and i knew mother for many years but i still get new insights into her writings and her talks and all of these things which always give us spiritual food to chew on, because <laughs> she's always got this wisdom from her experience of adoration, her experience in life, and so on. It's amazing, too, I think, as we listen to these uh, responses to these phone calls, which were all off the cuff, which is we have to remind people, you know, Mother was totally off the cuff on these things, right? Yeah, it's just from her heart, and it just comes from that motherly wisdom, you know, and all of those years of prayer and wrestling with these issues herself in her own life. As a young person, you know, and all of the trials that she went through and suffering and all of these things make you wrestle with these questions before the Lord and come to some good conclusions as she did. Right. That's really important to understand is that Mother was soaked in prayer and mm-hmm. in adoration so that when these things came from her, it wasn't her coming off the top of her head as if she was just making mm-hmm. it up or the whole. But this came from that prayer life. There's a quote of Bishop Sheen I love. I often quote it. And he was asked one time about his effective preaching, why he thought it was uh, effective. And he said, theological insights come from not just two covers of a book, but two knees on a prado before the Blessed Sacrament. And I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And that's where Mother receives so much wisdom. Well, we've got two uh, cuts coming up in the first part of the program here. We've got one having to do with doubt and one about nagging our Lord. And the doubt side, I thought it was interesting, was this call that talks about, I've led a paragon's life, I have to say. I think that was the first indication there was going to be problems, don't you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a spiritual practice to do the opposite of what you're tempted to. That's a good insight that a mother offers that can be very helpful when you're experiencing a temptation that you're going to do the opposite. So if you're struggling with your faith, questions about the faith, then you make an act of faith. Lord, I believe. I believe. I trust you. And also, we've also got nagging our Lord. And uh, mother talks about the the idea that uh, our Lord is asking you to knock. He does know, but he still asks you to knock. You're not nagging, you're praying. Mm -hmm. I like something, too, where she says she prays once, and she will talk about the different situation that's going on, but then she'll just trust the Lord, and she will put in his hands. You know, Blessed Solanus said, thank God ahead of time. So bring to him the particular need that's uh, uh, on your heart, but then thank him and praise him and trust that he'll do the very best thing. Absolutely, and no doubt about it. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yes. Hi, this is Bobby Joe. Where are you from? 
I'm originally from Alabama. Oh, but good. I'm calling from Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and I got to say, it's an honor to have this summit with you. Thank you. I've led a paragon's life, I have to say. I aim to please, and I'm pleased to serve. But recently, actually, I, I kind of feel like I entered my own personal hell. Mm -hmm. uh, I've become cramped with doubt, and almost monthly my psyche is bloated with negative thoughts, which damages the freshness of my devout feelings. You tremble with doubt, and how you handle doubts. Well, doubts can increase faith, you know. A little flower had a lot of doubts. She had doubts even there was a heaven. Doubts are neither here nor there. It's what you do with them, like temptations. What do you do with the doubt? St. Francis de Sales did it. He felt and he was tempted that he was a lost soul, that he was destined for hell. And he was so upset about it that he went to bed for a whole week. <laughs> That's a great sight now. And finally he said, well, even if I do, I can love you now, Lord. Then the temptation went away. You act on faith. It can't always be here. You act on faith. If you get a temptation, there's not a Eucharist. It's just a symbol. You go there, you kneel, and you say, My Lord and my God, I believe. We have to act opposite of what our temptations are. If you have temptations of lust, you have to be even more pure. If you have temptations about heaven, there is no heaven, then read about heaven. Praise God for heaven. You've got to go the opposite. These are temptations. The enemy wants you to think all these things. You can't. You can't help it. They're going to pass you away. It's not that we have temptations. What do you do with them? That's the important thing. And as long as we keep acting against them and acting on faith and hope and love, even the man who asked for a cure said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And the Lord was very pleased with him. So don't worry about temptations. Always act in the favor of the Lord. We know he loves us. It's the most important piece of knowledge there is. God loves me, and God loves you. After that, nothing matters. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hello. Uh, this is Ellen. I want a little preface here that recently I've gone through a great deal of torment, and yeah. my son, I discovered, went from alcoholism to heroin. I have been financially depleted and emotionally and every other thing, and I thought my heart was closed. But one of the benefits of this is that I, it was like I had Jesus on my kitchen table having coffee. I cried and I poured out my heart and soul. The closeness I have gotten through his mother and him is unreal. Praise God. The other thing is I received an answer to my finances. I didn't get extra, but I got what I needed. Good. But here's my question. First of all, I want to say one of the benefits is, is, besides me getting that relationship with our Lord, is I've broadened my prayers not only to my son, but anybody who abuses alcohol. I've learned to, you know, we're not the only ones in this world with this problem. I have St. Michael working on double duty, I think, with him. But one of the problems I have is, once on your show you mentioned that Jesus knows everything, we should not have to keep repeating a request. Hmm. 
Like this time, I, I really pleaded with them for my son's recovery, which he just got out of a rehab and is doing well so far. But I feel kind of guilty. I have a little confusion on, am I nagging our Lord? No, I don't think so. Sometimes our dear Lord uh, seemingly says two different things, but he never does. One, he said, um, trust your father knows you need all these things. Feast first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added. And then he said one day, knock, 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 knock. So what does he say? Two opposite things? We don't have to nag. Did you ever see a nagging wife? Oh, my. <laughs> what a terrible thing, huh? Where were you this morning? Dinner's cold. Well, you're lucky you don't put it on your head. <laughs> so we don't have to nag the Lord. He's our friend. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's everything to us, huh? In a case like your son, he's getting on his feet. Say, Lord, take care of him. Make him love you. That's it. He heard you. You can more than hope in God. You pray for your son every day. Once. He wants him converted more than you do. And then the rest of the day, go on loving him, praising him. <sighs> he hurt you. Next up for us, Father, here on Mother Angelica Answering the Call, is a phone call about patience, something she knew a lot about and had to work at practicing, right? She did. As she said, she had a, a fiery temper. We experienced that once in a while, but... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that... Not too much. I have to say personally myself, you probably did more because you probably needed more. <laughs> but she always had this compassion. But I like something that she says here about, you know, sometimes you will suffer for your spouse. And I will sometimes say that to a spouse who's in a difficult marriage. I'll refer to Elizabeth Lazur. And her cause has been introduced. Her husband was ridiculing her faith and so on. And she kept this diary. Well, he eventually came across that diary after she died of cancer, and it led to his conversion and eventual entrance into the Dominicans and priesthood. So just sometimes I think spouses do suffer for the salvation of the other. Absolutely. And the one thing Mother also makes the, the point that having patience and being a loving spouse doesn't mean God's asking us to be a doormat. Yeah, exactly. And so to talk to someone who has wisdom, a good priest, who can give you some guidance on how to go forward with this. If there's a dangerous situation, obviously you got to get out of it. But if it's a situation where it's going to require patience, well, you just persevere and you pray. Patience is the word. Let's listen to what Mother has to say. We have another call. Hello? Hi. Hello. Where are you from? I'm from Rhode Island. And your name is Beverly. Yes, Mother, it is. <laughs> Wonderful. And what is your question? Mother, how do I keep patience and kindness and love in my heart when I work with someone who is, like, slacking off and deliberately being abusive and not sharing their part of the load? And no matter how I try to be kind and understanding and helpful, this person is really making me physically ill because I know that I'm trying to do my job and this person is not willing to work with me. It's hard. If you're talking about your husband, that's doubly hard. 
I would suppose that you need to pray very hard. I think if it's affecting you to a point where you can't sleep, you can't do this or that or everything, where your relationship becomes evil, I think you need to go to a good priest who understands your particular situation and get some good advice uh, because I, I don't think God made us to be doormats. And I know that women and men sometimes take a lot. And they're heroic. I think it's a point of heroism and sainthood for some women that put up with so many things. I think we have to put up with what we have to put up with. But I think if it becomes dangerous and the fruit is evil, you need to get some good advice and see what you can do about it. And it's that way in so many places. There was a girl not too long ago who was kidnapped and then made a prostitute. And she tried so hard to escape. They caught her escaping, and they killed her. <sighs> Only God can judge that. It wasn't her fault at all. And there are, there are things happening today that are unbelievable. But we must all trust and pray, and pray and pray. And we can be sure of one thing. God is a loving, compassionate, and just judge. And he does not judge like we do. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us here on Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Doug Keck along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf as we recount some of the great responses Mother had over the years to the great phone calls from the family viewers on her live show over the many years. This one having to do with praying for a miracle. What struck me about this was uh, the caller actually talks about Miracles Do Happen, that wonderful book by our great friend, Sister Breach McKenna, which was a book that really inspired me as well. What a wonderful sister she is, and just a model of faith and things that really strengthen faith. She's done so much for the good of priests, and the Lord has used her in re uh, remarkable ways to bring healing to so many people. Yeah, I also think that the point Mother makes in, in this is a response in talking about natural hope is important, but we want to pray with supernatural hope. She makes a distinction there. Yeah, and hope doesn't mean just a natural hope that I really hope that everything turns out well. Supernatural hope is saying, God is going to give me everything that I need for my salvation, for my eternal happiness, and I really hope in that, and I know God is going to give me that. Maybe not everything that I want in this life, but he's definitely going to give me everything that I need for my salvation and eternal life. Right, and because we don't see that right away, we shouldn't get cynical about it either, as Mother points out. He's our Father. He's not a vending machine <laughs> that we're going to put some coin in and get what we want. He's our Father who really cares about us and will ultimately give us what is best for us. Absolutely. Let's join Mother as she talks about praying for a miracle. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother Angelica. Yes, where are you from? I am from Illinois. And what is your question? My question is, um, 
about a year ago, I started praying for a miracle for a person that I care about very much. Mm -hmm. And I came across a book called uh, Miracles Do Happen by Sister Breeze McKenna. And I read her book, and I truly believe um, in miracles. My question is, I've been praying for about a year now, and I was wondering if you can tell me um, how to keep hope when you're praying for a miracle. And, and it just seems like it's such a hopeless case. Well, we don't want to pray with natural hope because sometimes natural hope can get presumptuous. We want to pray with supernatural hope, and that's how we should always pray. And that means that I pray, and I believe with all my heart, that if what I'm praying for is of God and for my good, He will perform a miracle. There's a lot of, oh, I don't know, cynicism, I guess, today. Uh, there's so many people having visions and so many people God's talking to and so many, and you think, oh, if I get one more. But that's, that's we have to watch, you see, because God does speak to some, and we have to discern. We have to discern. But when we talk about a miracle, or you read a book where so-and-so and this one and that one had a miracle, well, we praise God for that. But we cannot, we cannot pray for a miracle with presumptions that it's going to happen. See, faith, faith is not a quarter that you put in some machine and get what you want. Faith is a total trust in God, childlike, that says, I will pray for this, and even if it takes a miracle, God will do it. If it is for my good. St. John says that. We can be sure that God will answer our prayers if it is for our good. That's where hope, see? That way, when you, if, if you don't get it, you're not disheartened. Your hope is still high. Because then I said, well, my Jesus knows it's not good for me. Haven't you all, can't you think right now of something you prayed for and prayed and prayed and it never happened? Aren't you glad it didn't? Huh? Aren't you glad it didn't? Well, that's the attitude we have to have all the time. Lord, I want this. You know, I'll tell you how I pray. I won't tell you all how I pray. But if I want something from the Lord, I will talk it over with him. I gave him all the pros and the cons. I know he knows it, but I want to tell him. <laughs> and he wants me to tell him. Then I say, okay, Lord, if this is for my good, and the good of this community, the good of the church, I know you'll do it. And then I forget it. I erase that tape. Why? He hears me the first time. Now you say, well, now he said you should uh, ask, seek, and knock. There are times we have to do that. And the Spirit will put it on your heart when you should do that. But on this daily thing, daily basis, daily basis, I don't know if God wants me to have that 
or not. I think he does. I have an inclination he does. I have to talk it over with him, tell him everything about it, drop it. It's miraculous how he answers your prayer. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there it is. So when we pray, pray with hope, but leave it to God. God has performed so many miracles here. If we wrote them all, you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe it. And God does miracles for us every day. Every single day. So pray with hope. With a free heart. I'd like it, Lord, if you want me to have it. That's pure love. And we move into the final segment of our program with a call about children. And Mother was also answering here because the question was about children's liturgy and, and mm-hmm. how that works in the structure of the Mass. I like how she brought up how Pope St. Pius X lowered the age to the age of reason so that children could benefit from Holy Communion. And as she says, they're not imbeciles. They're smart. They grasp things very quickly. And so, you know, that they should be able to take in what they can and grow in that knowledge in the liturgy itself. Right, and she talks about they need to see the truth when they're young. I think that's really important. I think that EW10 does that. They need to grow with the truth. That's that other part of that thing as they're growing up. And you cannot make the Catholic Church a huge social service. She makes this point as well. You cannot say, if I love my neighbor, that's all that there is. And sometimes there's a lot of confusion about that, especially with young people. That they have to learn that there's also the element of sacrifice, of laying down our lives, of being faithful, even when it's hard. That's elements of our faith, too. And so being quiet, you know, for the one hour at time at Mass is a good lesson for them. And uh, one father was asking me yesterday, actually, about what I suggested for raising his children. I said, you believe. You have faith. You show them by your own example what an impact that has on them. That sounds like the right judgment. Let's hear what Mother had to say. Well, we have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? Um, Kentucky. Good. And what is your question? Uh, recently, in Paris, they started having what they call a children's liturgy of the word. A what, dear? Children's liturgy of the word. Oh, yeah. Looks like you're not bright enough for the real thing. And during the liturgy of the word, the children from kindergarten to fifth grade go next door and they have a readings or something geared more to children. And I was wondering if there's anything wrong with this. You know, I went to Mass when I was uh, just a baby. And uh, kids went to Mass, one years old, two years old, three years old, four years old, five, six, seven, eight. They can run computers. They're smart. I saw a four-year-old, and I'm a basket case when it comes to one of these PCs. He was going, they're that smart. They're never going to know it's a sacrifice. They're never going to know. We treat our children like they're imbeciles. Our children are intelligent. Our children need to know. Pius X, that holy pontiff, he began giving children holy communion at six. And this little child came to Pius X and he said, Who is this? 
The little kid said, that's Jesus. And Pius X gave him his first communion. Don't treat our children like they were oh, only capable of fun and games and guns. and oh. We expect so much from children today, but not in a matter of faith. But faith is what they grow up to need. And faith is what you must give your children. Take your children to your mess. They don't need the gospel acted out by their own kids, their own peers. They need to see the truth when they're young. They need to grow with the truth. Oh, we can have many books, Bible books, and we have cartoons on the network that teach children the Bible, but you can't water it down. You cannot make the Catholic Church a huge social service. You cannot say, if I love my neighbor, that's all there is. You have to be like Jesus and then love your neighbor. Then you give, you exchange the Lord. But you are never Jesus. You are not Eucharist. There is only one Eucharist. And that's what a priest consecrates. You see, be careful, huh? Your eternity depends on it. Don't let anyone fool you. And for God's sake, be careful you don't spend your eternity with those who have lied and split the truth and denied the truth and made the faith fun and games with a few balloons in between. That's not the faith. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.